Hey everyone, it's Andy Johnson from The Fried Egg. I had a great trip out to Sand Hills over the weekend and an awesome chat with Kyle Hegland, their superintendent. We sat down in between rounds in the Sand Hills Library and the conversation just kind of started, so we ran with it. So that's why there's no usual introduction. Enjoy the podcast and be sure to subscribe to the newsletter to keep up to date with all the other Sand Hills content that will be post- posted over the next few days. As always, thanks for listening, and without further ado, here's Kyle Hagland. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. How many superintendents have a wider range of temperatures than you have here? I would guess not many. I mean, it's, you know, (laughs) we have a lot of things that really go in our direction. Like, but the temperature extremes are tough. Like, we had a day two years ago in November. It was 77 degrees on a Sunday at, I I was in Wisconsin three years ago because it was when Michigan State played Ohio State and got our asses kicked. And, uh... I was in Wisconsin visiting family, and I seen this weather come in, and my assistant, and I'm like, hey, we got to tarp greens right now. So I called them Saturday night. They started tarping Sunday morning, called all these high school kids, everybody we could get, and by and then I got it. <laughs> it takes me 12 hours to get home. I got here about, I left, yeah, I got here about 7 o'clock in the evening, and it was still 70 degrees out, and by noon the next day on Monday, 13 below zero. Oh, my God. 13 below zero. Like, it, we were just, we, I mean, it was, we got everything done. We missed, like, one spot on the, on six, the back right corner there. We, our tarp was ripped, and we got that done two days later, and it died. Like, that's how, like, we could have lost the whole, all the greens in that, like, in that quick. So, it's not, it's not more or less difficult, it's just different, you know. You just have to, you have to be adaptable out here, you just won't make it. And you have to, superintendents love regimes and schedules i hate like if you start telling me your schedule then i'd start stop listening to you that's that's just a fact i just don't i don't dig that so and we just can't out here so we just try to uh try to be creative i drive people nuts because i never have a schedule i like you already (laughs) i I don't know what time my tea time is for like a tournament until i set my alarm at night and i look and say oh i gotta get up at 6 30 my brother is just the like he would plan out tomorrow right now to the minute like i can't no just makes you too constricted and you just can't do it out here in my position because if you try to say what the weather's going to do you're just going to get your ass kicked and it seems like it just that happens so, yeah just, so we have a lot of those we have you know and it can be 110 and you know we had the year my son was born 2012 we averaged 102.3 was our daytime high average we were like 112 for like seven days and then we've had you know like this august we never got out of the 70s for two weeks in august so i mean it just it just goes up and down we're at 3300 feet elevation that's part of it you know, it's just, it's a very unique little spot in the country, and the weather comes in and out pretty quickly, and 
if you don't have shit together, you're going to get your ass kicked, you know? It's just what's going to happen. So, but we don't deal with humidity. You know, we don't have hardly, that's as much humidity as we're ever going to have as on a day like today. You know, we just don't get a lot of that. It wasn't so. really humid. It was more windy. It was, just, yeah, well, I mean, even <laughs> then, it's still, it still a little sticky for me. I, my sister lives in Milwaukee, and I was back visiting her this summer for just a couple of days, and it was, it was the week before the U.S. Open. I'm like, oh, my God, how did I live here? Like it was like 80 degrees. It was just unbearable. It was so thick and sticky, and so we don't have to deal with that. So, so uh, tell us about how you got into being a superintendent. Like you know, and you know your jobs working up to yeah, sure. Hills. I just I needed a job. I I played baseball, um, Legion ball, Junior Babe Ruth, and I needed a job that got me done early. So I had some buddies that started working on a golf course in New Glarus, um, Edelweiss Country Club. It's nothing fancy. Um, started working there, liked it, thought it was fun, had never played golf before, not one time. Started playing a little bit of golf, worked there, I think I was a sophomore, I don't know, maybe I was a junior when I started doing that. Mm -hmm. So I worked there through high school in the summer, and you know, you'd work in the fall and what have you, and go to college my freshman year, University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, just didn't really, I didn't know what I wanted to do, (laughs) as most kids that age don't know what they want to do, and... My superintendent, who I didn't even know that, I, I didn't even know that was his title. He comes up to me, he's like, hey, you ever thought of doing this? I'm like, doing what? What is this that you do? <laughs> and, you know, so he just started talking to me. He's like, hey, you know, this, you kind of got a knack for it, and, and uh, I think you'd be good. Um, you should take some classes or something and see if you like it. And that's what I did. Um, and I don't know why, I just liked it, and... Next thing I know, I'm transferring to Michigan State, and from there I was all in. Um, was really fortunate to had one of my really good friends was a had worked up at Crystal Downs, if you can believe that. Yeah. And I didn't even know what Crystal Downs was at the time. I had no no idea about golf architecture or any of that. And I just went up with him on some weekend when I was at Michigan State, maybe a couple weeks in, and was like, "Holy shit, what was that all about?" And then that's where my love for golf architecture really started and i was like i gotta know more about this this is amazing and i so you gotta do internships and then at michigan state you gotta do a six month you know an internship a long an extended one and i just knew i didn't want to work where they had winters i grew up in wisconsin i hated winter so mm-hmm. um just got lucky uh wanted to go work for a real good a real talented superintendent and that was doug peterson and they were just starting to build you know austin golf club which is ben's home club in austin texas i went down there and you know they're in the middle of building it's ben and bill and not bill as much as he is on most projects but mm-hmm. dave proc you know dan proctor dave axlin james duncan all those guys are down there and i'm just a stupid 20 year whatever year old kid just trying to not say anything stupid and they were awesome to me they just let me listen and just be a fly on the wall and included me in all that stuff as just an intern and yeah and i then i was all in i was living with my my boss doug peterson he had a wonderful library like this of golf architecture and it was he let me just read so i'd go and soak it up all day and then i would just go read you know george thomas or you know the links or that kind of stuff at night and i was all in from then on i was all in so what's your favorite uh architecture book Oh, man, there's so many good ones. I really love, you know, Mackenzie's The Spirit of St. Andrews. I, I try to give that. That's that's a book I've gifted 25 times, I think. I think you can still get a GCSAA show for, like, five bucks. I have. I think I still have, like, ten copies of it. I, 
I, uh, if you even kind of like golf architecture, you should start reading that. That's why I, I gave that a buddy of mine wanted. He's like, let me get a golf course architecture book to read. And I gave him that. And he, he read it. Star. Yeah, he read in like three days. He was it, like, oh, that was awesome. And it could be, and, it, and it's so true today. I mean, so many of his things are still, you know, whether it's bunkers or maintenance or, you know, committee. It, it's... The 13 great, principles. Yeah, it's so good. And there's so many good... I mean, there's a lot of great books. You know, Shackelford's books. And, you know, I would just stare at that Cypress Point book. Like, just like... Mm-hmm. You know, like I think kids that are 20 probably stare at, you know, a Playboy or a Maxim or whatever. I was just, you know, Cypress Point book going, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> and so that's... I'm a golf architecture dork. And, and uh, I was fortunate to just go work for some really great people that harbored and harvested that and challenged me to be a good superintendent or you know up and coming superintendent so then i got to go back and work for doug and i worked for him for i'm old now seven eight years and mm-hmm. and then dick took a chance on me i was 27 years old when i when i uh got this job which seems kind of scary when you say that out loud right now you know he entrusted me and i'll always be grateful for that yeah it so was, it was but you know to be honest with you they you know they interviewed my she was my fiance. Now she's my wife. They they interviewed her harder than me. They they wanted to make sure Ashley, my wife, was was gonna be okay living in Mullen, Nebraska. And we're fortunate. We love we love Mullen. We're fortunate and have you know it's like family out here to us. And mm-hmm. our, my kids are Mullenites, and we're proud Mullen Broncos. That's for sure. Hey, state champs in basketball. <laughs> they are. That was huge. Very proud of that. Very, very this proud of that. An unbelievable story. It is a great story. Rusty Moore, their head basketball coach, is my closest friend. And, I mean, I, I, I tear up a little bit just thinking about it, honestly. It's kind of it like amazing. a, a real-life Hoosier story. Yeah, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's what's great about sports, whether it's golf or basketball or whatever, when you see kids work hard and, and accomplish something that they worked hard for. And that was a lot of fun. So you moved from Austin, Texas to Mullen, to Mullen Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. So when that's you, a stretch. When you came out here for like your first time, yeah. I mean, like, what was? I mean, did you just fall in love with the the golf course and and then you know figure this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to you know work at maybe arguably the world's greatest golf course or you know the greatest modern golf course for sure i will uh i was roommates with a, a kid who's a superintendent his name is tony nice and uh he's down at uh what is it old marsh old marsh yeah and uh he reminded me that i told him i was gonna be the superintendent at Santa when i graduated from michigan state i, I kind of forgot that i just always was in love with what sand hills was if you didn't really told me how to ended up here i would have said bullshit but yes i understood the gravity and the largeness of what i was coming up here to interview for and like you know i looked at my fiance at the time i was like hey if you don't think you can do it then we can't do it mm-hmm. but in reality i was like we're, we're gonna do this <laughs> 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 but doing but doing what i do for a living you know it's it's i'm i'm fortunate i'm blessed i I try not to be that guy, but we just try to smell the roses a lot and try to have fun. And there's not a lot of fun in the golf industry anymore. And everybody wants to bitch and moan and complain about how hard it is or how difficult it is. And I'm not saying it's not. I just like to. Have. <laughs> we have a lot of fun and we enjoy being where we're at. We don't take it for granted. Uh, we work hard. We think we do really good work, but we also we think we have as much fun as anybody does. We encourage, you know, our interns and kids that work for us to play golf, have fun, mm-hmm. go out there and play. 
I'm biased now, so I can say what I think is the best golf course you know I've ever been on, and mm-hmm. uh, I want those kids and and people to go out and and, and enjoy that. It's it's a pretty cool backyard. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the the thing I take away from this place is like, I mean, you can hit every type of shot you want, and it never it never forces you to hit one, it, unless you put yourself in a position that you have to hit one. But in in terms of from the fairway, I mean, it's uh, the strategy's unmatched in terms of. Hey, there's this really intimidating. I think the scale is what does such a good job because it it, it intimidates you. Yeah. And um, it forces you to play safer than you might want to because you, you're like, I don't want to be in this 25-foot bunker. Um, and then once you do that, every single foot off that aggressive line, you get a worse and worse angle, and you pay. And, and it's a, a beautiful thing for the people that believe long grass is the answer to defending par. Well, you know, we it's our philosophy it's all, it should always be about playability. We mm-hmm. want you guys coming out playing golf, having fun. You know, I'll quote Bill directly. I do it all the time. My guys get tired of it. Hey, golf's supposed to be fun, you mm-hmm. know. And we just want you to have fun. So we want it to play hard, firm, and fast. We want you to not lose any balls, if humanly possible. And we talked about that earlier with you guys about how we've, you guys made a comment about our, you know, our native grasses being, you know, quite playable, and we're really, really proud of that. That's a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears making those what they are. But we're very, very proud of those because we want you to go out there and go, hey, I hit some bad shots, I didn't lose any balls. I mean, yeah. you guys are out there today. Was, wind was blowing thirty-five miles an hour. I didn't lose any. Yeah, that's that's any. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge compliment. I you know I t- I take that as a huge compliment. I yeah. shouldn't say that's a, you guys didn't say it was a compliment, but no, um, we're no. proud of that. And that's I know that's what Ben and Bill want. You know, I've talked with those guys a lot about just you know I think superintendents lose sight of that a lot. Like they get worried about how it looks or what this is going to do and how it's going to. We just want it to be to play the exact way that Ben and Bill wanted to play. And we strive hard for that. To be I, play, as playable as possible, as many days as possible. So. I would say that the natives have to be one of the most important aspects of the golf course. And it, I mean, I was at a golf course a, a couple weeks ago, and it's a newer course, and they, the course used to be uh, an apple orchard. So they have trouble with their, their natives because of the apple trees, you know, sucked so many of the certain nutrients out. And then there was such a, you know, a ton of the other nutrients. And so this native stuff, I mean, it's like seven feet high. It's like, and it, 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 they didn't know that because they didn't, they yeah. didn't go through all the testing, which would have cost a lot of money. But, you know, in terms of, of native grasses, it's, it's the, one of the hardest things to maintain well. Well, I don't, I mean, man... How many pictures have you guys seen where you see this picture of native grass and it's like the most sterile, like, man, I don't want a monostand of anything. I don't want a monostand on my fairways. I don't want a monostand on my greens. That's not natural. That doesn't look natural. That's Ben Crenshaw what he thinks of a monostand of anything. And native is the most striking thing. If it's just, you see it all the time, just this perfectly manicured fescue that's four feet tall and you'd lose every ball in the world in it, like... A, that's not native, and B, that doesn't look natural at all. I think we miss that a lot, and I we we try not to. We we try to make sure it looks. We'll take those imperfections. We're okay with some broad leaves. We're okay with some other things in there. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we want you to look out and go. 
man, that golf course blended right into the rest of its surroundings instead of stuck out. So, so it, at Austin Golf Club, you you worked your internship there, and then you immediately got hired there right after. Yeah, after I graduated. Uh-huh. Yes. So you got a lowly second assistant. Yes. Uh-huh. So you got to see that golf course mature over the years. And, yes. And. Just, I'm kind of curious in terms of like how you see like you know when, how long does it take a new course to really finally settle in and become what is it like how patient you know, is it three is it five years is it it's a good question I think there is uh, I think every site's a little I mean that's a really a cop out of an answer every site's a little bit specific you gotta have the right leadership and be okay with you know the slower the better. Let's get it all right the first time so you don't have to go back and correct some of that stuff. And you're not going to get it all right the first time. I mean, that's just not the way. You're not going to just swing and hit every, you know, you might want to move this grass line or take these trees out or, or what. I mean, wherever it is. At Austin Golf Club, I would say, yeah, it took a couple. I think we opened in 01. Man, I'll get, I'm, I'm old. I forget all that stuff now. But it was probably two years before you really get all your stuff really dialed in. Mm-hmm. That's a hard golf. Have you played Austin awesome Golf Club? I haven't. Oof, that is that's a hard golf. That's, that's my opinion only. That's the hardest Core and Crenshaw course I've played. That's a hard golf course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it took a while to mature that. And we, and we moved tree lines and we moved grass lines around quite a bit here and there. And, and uh yeah, it just takes some time, and we're still doing that at, at Sandhills. We do that every year, so we're we just turned tw- over. We're over twenty, so you know Ben and Bill always want a golf course. You know they, you know that's initially how they described Sandhills, and how we got into some of the issues with some of the bunkers it, is they just wanted them to breathe and grow and be you know an organic experience. But what happens is our our winters are so harsh out here, like those bunkers. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about them? They would just they would go hundreds of yards and then you're not only are you destroying grass and everything else but you're losing some of the intent of some of the original Mm -hmm. bunkers so then they started figuring out that they really had to work hard to keep bunkers where they were and man it was my first year i I don't get any credit for it but we started spraying a product in our bunkers as soon as we closed called soil tech sets up like concrete in them and then we till it all out in the spring when we're done but then then we don't have to worry about those bunkers going anywhere and once we figured out that we could keep the sand where it was over winter, then we started figuring out, like, hey, this is what we got to do. This fairway bunker is five feet deeper than it needs to be. And we're, you know, like those two fairway bunkers on one, those were six, seven, eight feet deeper six, seven years ago than they are right now. <laughs> you hit them in there, there's wedge only out of there. And, I, I mean, Bill and Ben, I'm, I can't imagine if they'll listen to this or not, but they would laugh because I was like, this is way too hard. This is not how they intended these to play. So I just started bitching and moaning and complaining enough that like we have to do something to these and we I worked with dick and we we just we took it very very seriously because you can't just go into our native and start tearing grass up and moving sand around because mm-hmm. it'll those scars will be there for five six seven eight years so we kind of had to be creative and and we we thought we came up with a pretty good plan and here we are you know we're about we're just about done. We got a few more bunkers we really want to work on, and we'll always have a couple bunkers just mm-hmm. because of the way nature moves out here. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're proud of came up with just a very low key, small plan and pushing, you know, moving sand in and just being methodical, saying these are the five worst bunkers. Let's get those done this fall, and if we get some weather that holds up, let's get five more done. You know, mm-hmm. and just going from there. So that's kind of a long way to answer the story, answer the question, but. 
Hey, it's a, it's a I'm process. I'm long-winded, I apologize. No, no, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, I mean, there's, so when you're closing, uh, you know, most people wouldn't know this. Monday. You're closing on Monday, and yes. you said, uh, said to me earlier in the week that that's when the work starts. Yeah. So, you, you know, I think Sand Hills is unbelievable, I think, from, like, your end of the spectrum is you've got 100-plus degree um, summers, and then you get to winter, and it can be negative 30 out here. So what goes into prepping for winter? Um, the, f- the first thing we do is spray soil tech. I mean, that's like that's like project number one because mm-hmm. you guys are out there today. If it's super dry and it's blowing like that, I mean, you can move quite a bit of sand in a yeah. day, but we'll get days where it'll blow 55, 60 for 24, 48 hours straight, and that can straight move some sand. So our biggest thing is let's get those bunkers cleaned up held in place get those out of the way and then we just start top dressing everything and it depends on each year and how you know we might have some bunker work that we're working on but first thing we'll do is we'll probably just you know like a solid time greens and surrounds and because we can't nobody's out here playing once we're closed nobody plays the golf course again so we just pull, don't, don't you know, lie it's 75 in october i'm not 50. saying i haven't hit some shots <laughs> out here, but outside of myself and jared kalina you know nobody plays out here so um no that you know those are you know that's what we try to get at first and foremost and then as you know we just let see what the weather does mm-hmm. and we keep if we have if weather holds up then we keep working on bunkers and you know we always have some car pass you know that's not very sexy or fun to talk about but mm-hmm. Those are all native car paths, so those take work too, and and we do that, and and then we just start looking at the weather, and as soon as we think the weather is going to, you know, it's a little bit of a gamble, you know, we're trying to keep it wet as soon as we're closed, like I don't want to water anything, and then once we close, like I want to keep, we want to be moist, so if all of a sudden the weather falls through the bottom, we're going to mm-hmm. go in, our biggest goal is to go into winter as wet as possible. Because that just keeps us from drying out as long as I don't. Apparently, I don't want to work any harder than I have to. And what we have to do in the winter, if it dries out, is we have to winter water, which is not a fun process, and it's not rocket science. But that means we're out there in those terrible days. And, and yeah, what's, what's the what's the coldest it's ever been when you've been out doing stuff on the course? Oh, well, it's just hard to gauge. It's I'm so used to the wind anymore. It's it's just how how hard is the wind blowing? If the wind is just howling and it's forty. It's pretty miserable out there. Yeah. We've had I mean we'll have days in the spring where it's just like shut it down because everybody's you can just you can just see people getting angrier and angrier as that bunker keeps pelting them in the face or you know or just the wind even so. So what we want to do is close up and then we're thinking about tar- we tarp greens and teas which are bent grass and. Uh, that's usually somewhere around Thanksgiving, and then we blow out our irrigation system sometime after that. It's usually within a week or ten days of each other. And then we sit back and hope we get a bunch of moisture. If we get a bunch of moisture, you start crushing, you know, spotted cows and gray goose. And if not, then you got a lot of work to do. Yeah. So, so we hope for, we, we usually stay pretty cold and pretty dry through December and January. And then we usually, you know, the weather starts really fluctuating in February and March. And that's when you can get these really massive, you know, temperature swings where it can be 55 in the day, 13 below at night. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's hard on grass. Yeah. So, so we think we've done a good job. I've been here 11 years. I would like to think we've gotten a little bit better each year. And each, you know, our biggest challenge is coming out of winter. So if we... 
if you come out here in March and it, you're walking around and it sounds like you're walking on glass, it's not good. So mm -hmm. I've had those years. We hope we don't have many of those years left in us. But um, And a lot of that is work in the spring and the fall, whether it's airifying and deep tining and planted airing and doing all that kind of stuff and lots and lots and lots of top dressing. We I don't have to pay for sand. I get the top dressed with the same sand that we're that the whole golf course is built on. Believe me, I know how nice that is, but we throw a lot of sand. We just bury everything in sand in the fall completely. So we'll top dress greens and tees and fairways. And as soon as we're done, we'll just start again. We'll just start again continually until the weather goes to hell. Mm -hmm. We've done it as many as four times, you know, before the weather goes completely bad. And then in the spring, same thing. We'll just keep top dressing. To, and and that, that helps with playability. That helps with keeping it firm. And, and eventually it was pretty thatchy and organic-y when I got here 10 years ago. And if you'd have told me it had taken me 10, 11 years to get it where I kind of like it, I would have said you're crazy. But it's a game of attrition. And, you know, you get a little... You're 27. Well, you think you're a lot smarter than when you're, you know, 37. So. Well, also, I mean, if it if it's uh, over 10 years, I bet you know it, it's accumulated a lot of like you know material in the soil. So it takes a long time for that material to get out. You, you can't do it overnight unless you just start fresh. Well, you know, and, and we don't we don't want to do anything during yeah. the season. So. Yeah. Which is a little bit of a challenge. I'm certainly not complaining about. You just got to be creative. And what we found is, you know, when I first got here, it was like, oh man, you really should try to get an airification during the golf season. And I was like, okay. And now it's like, why would we try to do that? Like mm -hmm. we can just, it just it made me be more creative and made me push the boundaries of what we can do with how we're trying to do things. And and uh, it's made me a much better superintendent than I ever would have been anywhere else. That's for, I mean, whether or not I'm good or not is to completely debatable, but it forced me to be creative. And, and Dick Youngscap always forced me to creatively think my way through things, and he allowed me to make mistakes. And So we're, we're proud of you guys. Can, if we open the end of May, close the end of October. We'll top dress in there once in a while, but we don't do any uh, cultural practices outside. You'll come out, it's supposed to be as good today as it was you know may may 29th mm -hmm. you know in theory so we're we like that when if you were if you were going to say when's the best time to come out here i know you politically it has to be every day but you're, you got <laughs> we're, not, we're not that political i can say it i would say anytime after like the mid mid august to the end of the season the weather is just a lot more consistently good like you're just you're gonna get some 95 days and you're going to get some 65 days, but mostly it's good. Like, there's plenty of days in July where it's 105 and the wind's blowing 30, and it feels like you're, you know, somebody's just falling around with a hot air, you know, blower, a hair dryer, and that's not that fun. So, um, this course is kind of the course that changed modern golf design. It was the first one that it was done with an extremely small budget, it was built for the pureness of being a great golf course and not for like a housing development and you know it, it it brought back so many of the great golden age principles that you saw in a modern setting um so the man behind it all was dick young's yeah yes sir um so tell us a little bit about you know the, the, <laughs> tell you about dick. yeah uh -huh. <laughs> man i i i consider dick a friend and and i mean that and i think he i think he reciprocates that he is, he's just, he is, he has, I told you guys earlier, he has this great line of, I have a lot of faults, but being misunderstood isn't one of them, and I think that is lovely. He is, he's my only boss. I don't have a committee, I don't have any of that kind of stuff, 
So we're allowed to be creative. You know, I can go, we sit down, we talk. If we have a problem, whether it's on the golf course or, you know, whatever comes up on, on a superintendent, it could be a staffing issue. We'll sit down and talk, get, get to the bottom of it, and move on. But he is a very unique guy, and I'm very, very fortunate to call him a mentor and a friend, and I've shared many, many, you know, Bud Lights with him, and, and I feel very, very fortunate. And he's just a very interesting, unique person. He, mm-hmm. uh, he has a very unique way of thinking. He likes being, if everybody's zigging left, then he definitely wants to zag right, and he wants you to, you know, do the same thing with your thought processes. And I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I could talk all day about Dick. He's a great guy. What's, uh, what's the best story he's told you about, (laughs) about this place? Um, the best story I, I, that I can tell in public is I think in, and it go, it's because I got it from both sides. Dick tells this Dick and Bill tell the same story about how mad they got at how mad Dick got at Bill Coor for number four green we talked about moving you know mm-hmm. where they pushed actual some dirt up it's one of the only green only places they moved any real soil outside of cleaning up the bunkers and stuff and a few other little spots but they had sat down and talked and they all lived together i mean they lived in one house you know so they they had to go home every night work, and, work you know they were work. like a family and and uh Dick is not afraid to give you his opinion ever, and I love him for that. And I mean, sometimes, especially earlier in my career, and even now, I mean, he if he did, thinks you suck at something, he'll tell you you suck at something, and that hurts your feelings once in a while. You got to be okay with that. But he's honest, and and I love I love that. I couldn't ask for somebody better to work for or work with, and and it's usually working with when it comes to Dick. But they both tell the story of they were sitting right in that little valley there and they had to push that all up to make four green and they're sitting there one night and they had decided that they dick had thought it was going to not be pushed up and they were just going to make that bunker kind of come around the front in that little low area and make the green right there where where bill thought that he said do whatever you want to it and go mm-hmm. ahead push it if that's what you think you need to do so like two days go by and dick comes back and here's this green pushed up to the way it is right now. And he just loses it on Bill. <laughs> and I just I and they both have they both do impressions of each other and it's just it cracks me up. I can still see them both doing it. I won't do it justice, but mm-hmm. they're just they thought maybe they were at a point where things were gonna get pretty surly and then but that's Dick. Dick I've then it's over. You get mad, get done, get over. He so, would still tell you that that hole's better not being pushed up, and Bill would still tell you it's better the way it is. That's the beauty of opinion. How, so he was, a, by trade, he was an architect. And yes, sir. So obviously a very creative guy, and he, you know, I imagine that helped with the relationship with Bill and Ben in giving them kind of creative freedom in a way. Yeah. Would you say that he that's one of his strengths is, like, letting people do what they do? Absolutely. I mean, I think Dick would make it simpler. He 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 said it many times. Is he was really busy down here on all the cabins and stuff. And he, I mean, you want to talk about somebody that's involved? He had his crew. You know, whether it was the sewer, you know, all that stuff. He was doing all the infrastructure work. And there would be several days. He just trusted Ben and Bill that they were going to do the right thing most of the time. I'll, you know that story I just told you, which is why I think it's funny and because mm-hmm. they were just 
pissed off at each other, and I think that's great. But he allowed them to do their job, and he but he was involved. You know they, you know they had a lot of conversations for a long, long time. And Dick tells a great story that he was just at. I don't know if it was uh, golf weeks or whatever. They had a roundtable discussion where Dick was with Mike Kaiser and Ben and Bill, and they had this question come up to Bill Coor and. And like and this lady asked this question, like, "Hey, it must have been so much fun building, you know, your time at the Sandhills." And Bill's like, oh, it "Wasn't that much fun, you know?" And I think that's a great analogy of they all knew it was very important to everybody involved that they got it right. Mm-hmm. And I think that shows with the with the golf course. I can brag about it because I I don't have anything to do with any of that. But they all respected each other an awful lot. And they allowed each other to be creative and have creative thoughts. And I think the product shows, you know, they were, they didn't want to mess it up. You know, everybody, everybody involved, you know, Dick included. And I think, I think they got it right. And I think they yeah. did a pretty good job. I don't, I don't have many complaints. I don't, I don't <laughs> think they really messed it up. Um, and people probably know I complain a lot. So <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, it's, it's ironic that we're here the same week that they're playing at Liberty National that costs $250 million to build compared to a course that costs less than a million to build here. Um, in terms of Bill and Ben, how, how much are they still involved and how often are they out here? And, you know, what's your guys' working relationship like with, you know, continuing to make updates? And Man, humble it? brag. Like, I, I, like, Bill will send me, like, emojis and stuff. So I think, I think we're kind of friends, yeah, right? Yeah, that's no, friend zone. No, it's... Uh, I talk to Bill when I try not to bother him. Bill is busy. He yeah. travels hundreds of days a year. Nice, I said years. Nice English. Um, I try not to be a bother. He hears more from me in the spring and the fall when we're actually doing some work on the golf course. Ben and Bill were both out here for a week this year. We walked around some stuff and just, you know, we'll just go through the golf course and, as Bill would call it, a walk. We'll just go out and walk and talk about maybe this bunker, maybe that bunker. Maybe this grass line, maybe that grass line, maybe this edge of this. You know, we just try to have a conversation. Then the next day we, you know, kind of sit down and, well, let's go back to that spot and let's go look at that again. And I don't know if I agree with what you're doing. You know, know, we'll just hash it out. So I'd, I'd say Bill's here probably every other year. Ben's here once or twice a year. So, and I'm, and I, you know, Ben being at Austin Golf Club, I know Ben really, really well. Mm hmm. I have no problem, you know, approaching him. If I have any questions, we'll just talk about it. But, you know, when it comes to the golf course stuff, you know, I, I really don't want to bother Ben. He's he's super busy, so I'll just either call Bill or we'll send some texts back and forth. And we just want their intent to be right, you know. Mm-hmm. We just want the golf course to play exactly how they intended it. So, so you've worked closely with these guys for your, basically very, your whole career. Very, very fortunate. Lucky. Uh-huh. <laughs> very lucky. I'm okay with saying that. What would you say that each of them, is, what's their, each of their best traits and like what makes them so great? I aspire to be as good a person as both of those guys are. They're just great people. I've seen Ben in Austin where he, he's like a rock star in Austin. And you could go to, I've been in a car with him at a gas station and somebody will just come up knocking on the door and, hey, Ben, you know, remember that time I... 10 years ago and I'm like what the hell is going on here and he's such a great person and like he always he remembers everybody's he's he has an uncanny knack to always remember people's names and faces that he's met and he's wonderful at engaging people um bill is just straightforward i mean bill is also a great guy he just 
Bill has no problem saying he doesn't like something or he wants to change something or why don't we try this? And I, he is, he's very creative. He always, he always takes his time to think out what he's like. He, he's not, he's not impulsive. He's very methodical. Like if he says, I don't like the corner of that bunker, that's not because he just walked up there and said, yeah, I don't like that. He looked at it. He thought about it. He probably went to bed. Like if I tell somebody like, oh yeah, I'll think about that. Like I forget about it. I don't think about it. Like I think Bill thinks about it all the way until he comes back and talks to you again. He doesn't he, he doesn't tell impressive. somebody that he's thinking about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I do that all the time. I, I, Dick's like that, too. He's when If he says he's thinking about something, he's definitely thinking about it. I, I kind of, that's my get-out-of-the-way you know, conversation piece. So um, I don't know if I answered that question properly, but they're both, um, I talked to you guys a little bit earlier, they work so well together. Uh, I spent some time with them, you know, together, and I was giving them a hard time because they just, they have a lot of the same mannerisms. Like, they are, they work so well together. Like, you can just tell they they just really trust and admire each other, and that's pretty impressive when you can be 100%, you know, confident that the person next to you has your best interest, you know, you can be, you can be honest, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, my, my old assistant, he's the superintendent at Battling Neal now is we, we had that, you know, we could just say, man, I think your idea fucking sucks or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, that makes you better. And I think yeah. Ben, and, I don't think they'll swear that much, but I mean, this thing, Ben and Bill do that and they have that and they have had that for a long time. And it's impressive to just, I just shut my mouth and watch them do their thing and, feel very very fortunate that i that they'll even you know pick up the phone if i call or or uh, have a question so it's you got to have somebody that's honest with you like i get i get emails from listeners and readers all the time that are like i don't want to be an asshole but you suck (laughs) (laughs) and it's like i like that and and it's the best thing because i don't even know i say like I used to always say something about, like, it's interesting or something. And, and like, some guy, like, was like, you say this all the time. And I try and get better. I, I never thought I'd have a podcast in a million years. But it's uh, it's it's the only way you can find out you suck at something is if somebody tells you you suck. you got to be okay. You know, and, and if we want to turn that full circle back to, like, Dick Youngscap's not afraid to tell you you suck. And if you're okay, there, there needs to be more of that. And, and, yeah. And I don't care what business you're in. In life. In life, just somebody that's like, hey, how about you not do that? You know? <laughs> and as a young guy, there were several times I probably had my feelings pretty well hurt, but he made me a better person first and foremost, but definitely a better superintendent and someone that's just like, you can't be so defensive. I think superintendents are a real defensive bunch, and I try not to be as many times as possible. I feel like they just you, you can't be sensitive because no you get there's there at every club every course there's the the vocal ten percent minority who yes. are just gonna be mad about anything because they stink at golf and they just don't get it and they're just mad about stinking at golf so they <laughs> then take it out on the course or the I agree I, you just you have to I mean I'm not saying anything that's new you have to have a thick skin to be a superintendent but you also got to be okay with somebody like. There's probably they probably have some good ideas once in a while that you're mm-hmm. just not listening to anybody. You got to be okay with somebody thinking you suck. This, I hope I hope your boss is okay just saying you suck more mm-hmm. than once. I'm I know Dick would 
say I suck right now if I was doing. He might say I sucked at this. Yeah. <laughs> if you'll listen to it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. You got every everybody stinks in some way. That's, <laughs> yeah. And my my whole theory. Man, I'm on, terrible at a lot of things. My whole theory in life is everybody's an idiot. I like that. And like, you know, you're a genius in some aspect of life, but an idiot in another. And if you don't embrace the fact that you're an idiot in some way, like. I'm yes. an idiot if I have to plan anything. People are going to hate me. <laughs> I respect that. I like that. But um, so it, it, what would be like if, if for other superintendents what would, or like a greens committee? Sure. Um, say you weren't at a course that had a I golf know, it's nice. It's nice. I um, what would be your advice to like greens committees or superintendents or any members like in working with an architect like over time and like, you know, what would what would you say is like you know, man? The most I, I thing? I've already told you I'm an architecture dork nerd mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I love that stuff. I I, I don't think I'm an architect. I yeah. that's I, I never had those aspirations. But I've given some talks. I would love I I love the conversation of. I think it's very interesting. And I, I'm going to steer it one way, and I'll go back yeah. and answer your question. Yeah. I I talk a lot. I don't think superintendents a play enough golf. And I don't think that they know enough about architecture. There's, there's some, there's a, like Sean Tully at at the Meadow Club. That guy is, uh, oh my God, he knows everything about everything in architecture. But it'll only make you a better superintendent if you know mm-hmm. some. You just have to know the basics. You don't have to, you know. And I challenge guys to, and it's so cheap. You just get a few books, or, you know, even if you're at just the, the little course down the road, like, pick up the phone. I, I really challenge people to like, why haven't you seen? You live in Chicago and you've never seen Shore Acres, or yeah. like make them t- turn you away. Like call, you know, the, the easiest way. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't say this. Just call the superintendent. They're usually going to be okay. Maybe you're not going to play golf, and that's fine. Yeah, go walk around the place some morning and just go. Holy shit, that was pretty amazing. And don't be afraid to go look. You know, and superintendents really don't want to go to somebody else's golf course. I love. I'll go to. I love golf. I love going to golf courses and seeing what other people are doing. And I feel very, very fortunate to get to do that. I wish more people did more of that just to uh, just to immerse themselves in some of, just have a little working knowledge in golf architecture, I think, as a superintendent, is a very cheap and effective way to become a little bit better superintendent. You It'll know, make you understand you look at the, the intent a little bit differently. What, and you don't have to be at a Donald Ross or a Coor Crenshaw. You could, I mean, I think... Every place had an architect, one way, shape, form outside of the old course. See what they're trying to think, and maybe you can maybe you can make some suggestions that play the way you know, or call that architect up if he's still alive, or you know, or get. There's so many young, aspiring, great young architect guys out there. The Riley Johns, the Blake Conans, the Keith Rebs, mm-hmm. all the the Rob Collins. All these guys are so talented. And it's such a, like, superintendents bitch about the market being tough for us. Like, wow, we go try yeah. to be a golf architect. Those guys are so talented. You could just call one of those guys up, and they'd come out they, probably for little to nothing and just walk around and say, hey, why don't you just, what about this? And if, if that's what you want to do. Now, shifting it to a greens committee, if, if you're at a place that has a great old architect, I think you should reach out to somebody. If the guy, if, if the architect's alive, let's get him involved. If he's not. You know, they're like Jeff Mangale. There's so many of these guys that do so many great things. Just go make a phone call and say, let's let's at least get a plan. Let's. What do you think? What do you do? You think we're doing it right? Do you mm-hmm. let's let's get the architecture on display and and let's not worry about you know 
what can we do that's not going to cost us a bunch of money first? You know, maybe it's just a tree or two, or maybe just a grass line. That doesn't cost much. Yeah. Grass we always line, get so trees. worried it's going to cost you $10 million, and I, I understand that. But let's talk to the architect before we worry about, you know, doing the upgrade to the clubhouse or whatever it is, you know. And I think, I don't know, I think as a superintendent, depending, I know Greens committees are different and some are two and four and six-year terms, just start working those, like, hey, or maybe the, as a superintendent you need to have an, a relationship with some, with some of these guys and go, hey, let's let's hear what this guy has to say about what he thinks we should do, I think. I mean, I don't know if that's really answering your question. But no, that's a good answer. I, it bothers me that, that we like to just put the blinders on and not not a not play golf and be not be worried about how the golf course is supposed to play and it's a some generalization obviously there's some really really good guys that do really really great things mm-hmm. i put together a list of books i think that's a great thing yeah, but that's a smart idea i had a reader who is a librarian and informed me that that 90 percent of the books that i had on that list were available at, at your local library really so you could just go to a public library you don't even have to pay for the books you could just can rent that's them awesome, out. and I and I've I've suggested more like like every course, especially if it's some. Every course has some golf dork guy that yeah. well, you or me or whoever that is more than happy to like. Hey, yeah, here, go. T- why don't you borrow these books and go read them and give them back to me? You know. I think some people think I'm a menace because I just run around. And say, Look at how small the screen is. <laughs> I respect that. I'm a menace is that's empowering right yeah. There. yeah menace <laughs> menace to to golf courses um so how, how many uh core crenshaw courses have you played oh my goodness austin golf club obviously sand hills uh the warren course that's sand, a good one sand valley friars head what, what are your top three core crenshaw courses can't put Sandhills in there because I'm biased. We'll just um, we'll Chessy I've played. I'm just trying to think. I'm man. I'm not very smart anymore. Friars Head is really really impressive. I've not got to see East Hampton. I heard that's really really good. I I would love to see Old Sandwich. I just have never got up there. The place looks amazing from the pictures I've seen. Sand Valley's really good. Yeah, I played that last fall. Man, is that good? It's really good. Really, really good. Um, Austin Golf Club's fun. Austin Golf Club's really, it's hard, but it's its probably the only, and Ben and Bill can dispute that, it's probably the only Corn Crenshaw that's a little bit more Ben than Bill, you know, because mm-hmm. Ben's there all the time, and it its it has a different, different feel and look than the other ones that I've seen. Um, I was at Seminole this winter. I was fortunate enough to go there and see what they're doing there. That's going to be pretty amazing. I've not been to Pinehurst number two since they've redone all that stuff. I'd love to get and see that. There's so much golf. To, you got a winter coming up. I'm, I'm hopefully going to go see some. I love. <laughs> we got to get some moisture. <laughs> have clubs will travel. I love. Kapalua. I love. <laughs> I've not been to Kapalua. That it looks cool. I know. You know that was one of the first. They did that before they did this. Um, I played uh, the 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 cliff the Crenshide Crenshaw Cliffside. That's a mouthful at Barton Creek, mm-hmm. and and that's a cool little spot too. Do you have a pet peeve? Going to some great golf course and. Just, just not maintain the way that, and even marginally maintain the way it needs to be. Where there's just no shots are available. Like, oh man, mm-hmm. that would be such a fun shot if that was, if you could hit that shot. I played the course I played before I came here. I had we had a U.S. four ball qualifier at, 
and it's like they have a huge maintenance budget and mm-hmm. but it's a it's like the complete opposite golfs are of here it's a, and the guy he designed the course himself it's a disaster but then like you couple it with like it hasn't rained in chicago like at all so it's like the greens are really firm but the 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 fringes and aprons are so soft because you need to, it has to be lush and green that is a tough that might be the toughest mix to play is oh. super firm greens and everything else is soft i mean that is it's a disaster that is so hard to play <laughs> that is so hard that's i mean that's what the usga needs to do that yeah. is really hard to play yes. what do you think the score would be out here if you had a pga tour event if it's windy, if it's, if if it's, it's windy like today then who knows but um if it's I just played with a kid a couple days ago um, that he, he shot even par. My 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 good friend Jared Klein, who's at Ballyneal, is a really good player, and I, I played with him. He shot sixty six out here from the tips. So mm-hmm. I think they. It just depends, you know. I mean, There'd be I, I played with Ben out here it. more than one time, and it's not like he took it super low. Of course, record sixty one. So yeah, but that was on a dead calm day. Um, it's there for the taking if you know where to go. But if you just if a bunch of guys come out here and. We could extend it quite a bit too if we if we if we thought we were going to have a tournament, which is not going to happen. <laughs> you know, I think you could make it. A, it's 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 kind of sad the way the golf ball is gone. I don't want to try to turn it into that conversation, but it's just these guys hit you the got ball the right so far. You're like whole like every golf course is inadequate anymore. It's yeah. it's sad. It's it's unfortunate. It it just goes so straight too. It's not just the far. It's like the ball doesn't curve. No. And especially with a course that's built for wind when the ball doesn't spin, like you lose some of it, the defense. Uh, It'd be fun to watch them when, on a day like today when they're out there. and I would enjoy watching a bunch of tour pros go out and, and knock it around and see what shots, because they can hit those shots. I would just yeah. love to watch them hit it. I had it going for a while, and then the wind just, just beat the crap out of me down it's the It's tough when the wind like will dictate how your ball breaks, you know, because yeah. I'm not a good enough putter anyways, and when you got, you know... Two or three breaks, and that the wind will put like I'm, I'm not making that putt. The way the course goes, the whole back nine, it goes out and then it comes right back, and yep. with that south wind, it's cross all. And crosswind is just south the, is hard. hard uh, it's just the hardest wind to play because you're constantly uncomfortable. You're not sure. Totally agree. It, it, the, it it affects your distance and your dispersion, which is like. You know, like, if it's into the wind, a good player knows how far the ball's going to go. If it's downwind, you generally know pretty much how far the ball's going to go. But those crosswinds that you get out here are just, that's that's the uh, that's the the ultimate defense, I think. I, well, and, and, and I've, the wind will, you know, this time of year it doesn't change a lot, but in the summer you'll get two winds a lot. Like, you'll get a morning wind, it'll come out of the south, and then maybe it comes out of the north or the west. And you'll, I mean, that's two different guys. I mean, it. you guys have been out here enough. That affects play a lot and how you're going to attack and what shots you're forced to hit. And I think that's that's a mark of a good golf course, I think, mm-hmm. for one. Uh, obviously, I'm a homer to my own golf course, but it, it's, uh, I've had a lot of fun hitting those shots and, and seeing what, what does what. So what's your favorite course uh, outside of Sand Hills? Man, that is, I've been very fortunate to play some, awesome courses humble brag <laughs> um national i mean ben and bill both tell you you got to go to see national i mean yeah. i've i've been i'm the guy just yapping at their tails all the time asking them all these 
dumb golf architecture questions, and they, they're like, you got to go see it. And I've been fortunate enough to play it. It's wonderful. Cypress Point is really, really good. Oh, really, I was impressed by how good the inland holes were at Cypress. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Shinnecock's really good. Man, I thought Seminole, when, when Ben and Bill get done with that stuff, is going to be really, really good, too. Yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna like list all the really cool courses I've been in. What's the, what's your what's your <laughs> favorite? Is awesome. What's your favorite hidden gem then? Like one that doesn't get talked about enough. Oh, that should be man. It could be something around here too. I I I don't think people. I don't think people play Wild Horse enough. I, I think Wild Horse is such a world class golf course, and it costs you nothing. And it's under fifty bucks, right? It's like just out of the cusp of me playing there like every single day because it's like an hour and a half for me to get there, which is just like a half hour more than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Josh Josh Mayers was superintendent, was an assistant out here for a long time. Well, not a long time, a few years, and then he's been there since day one. And it's a really smart golf course, and it's always in great shape. It's always firm and fast, and it's you can go and with your buddies, and you're not going to spend a hundred bucks. And I think we need more of that in golf, you know, and across the country. I don't care where you're at. Um, it's just, it's wonderful. I, he, he's, they ought to have a statue of that guy up there. I mean, he just, a good superintendent is, <laughs> can make or break a golf course like that. And that place has been so good for so long. It's wonderful. Another one is like Cow Club is so good. Man, I, I thought that was just ex- expertly. maintained it was just you know it was you were hitting all the shots you were supposed to hit not everybody talks about it when you go to that san francisco area and you know jeff minge who you mentioned earlier you know he says that av mccann might have been the greatest golf course architect that nobody knows about because he was just building courses up in the pacific northwest well i i went to i was fortunate enough to go to seattle this year I, i talked to a bunch of the western um, Washington guys, I'd never really been up there before, and talked to some architect about. And we we went to Chambers, which I thought was really good. I, it was a terrible logo, but a great golf course. I thought it was. You got to really go good. to that Lone Tree. I, I yeah, it's something. I mean, I love golf. I love logos. I'm a logo oh, dork. I gotta send you so. my logo rankings. That let's. Yeah, I got a form. You gotta fill it out. I'm, I'm all in. I'm gonna I reopen submissions. Stuff. I have kids will just bring me stuff because I I, just, I love that stuff. Anyways. And we talked about McCain, and and I love all that stuff. Like especially in something I've never seen. Like holy cow, let's go look at that little place, and let's go. It'd be cool to see more and more of that. Mm-hmm. I never get up there enough. I think that part of the country is wonderful, and I need. I just need to see more of it. You're right. I think one of the issues with McCann up there is that there's a a big tree problem. <laughs> yeah, and tree management programs up there are like planting trees. Oh, who is that? It's Tom Bob Order. It must be Tom, the, the Faz. There you Come go. on in. Calling to check in on the ball. He's, he's, he got his uh, the number confused with the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I like that. It's funny. Um, I can't take credit. That's Zach Blair's. He's a, That's funny. He's got a funny story there. That's a, another story for another day. Um, so, uh, the legend out here, like, you know, it's not a legend, it's, you see it in here, 180 holes they found on this massive piece of property that's actually a small piece of property by Sandhill yes, Standards. Sir. Um, has, hey, 
Has there ever been thought about, you know, building more? I, th- I think they entertained it a lot early on. You know, I just, you know, they were still just trying to figure out how it was all going to work, you know. You know, they really just thought they were just going to build this golf course for their buddies, and that was going to be it. They, they didn't have any aspirations. I think Ben and Bill did, but I don't think Dick that it was going to be this world phenomenon. Yeah. My words. not. Um, but they, they've thought about it. Um, you know, when you look at that constellation map it's, that's just up in the dining room, and, and I look at it a lot. I know that sounds super dorky, but it's... I still do. I mean, I've spent all those. If I were you, I'd have like one I have in my copies. pocket. I'll give you one. I have, I have like a hundred of them. So, um, yeah, and I've taken it off and photocopied it. Yes, I've done that. Um, anyways, you know, they, they, it was, it's a lot when you start. It's like, how do you get it all to fit together? You yeah. Know? They, you know, from what Ben and Bill and Dick have all said, it was always based on the principle that it wasn't always going to be. One seventeen and eighteen were going to be actually one seven, but those three holes, it was all like those were always going to be there, no matter mm-hmm. what. And they have some great stories of, you know, off <clears throat> the back of Ford Green and going, you know, east yeah. that way was some that they really liked, and 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 then there's a great story of where twelve is, you know, and they, you know they walked this property for year. I you know, year I plus. heard that Bill actually camped on the property is that true or false i cannot i cannot (laughs) confirm nor deny that i haven't heard that he camped out here i mean i think they were drinking plenty of coors lights and stuff it might have been unintentional (laughs) but i i can't confirm or deny that either but a great story that i don't that a lot of people know out here that i think is always really interesting is 8700 acres which is a pretty small parcel of land out here um they're walking and they've been walking and they've they're trying and where 12 green is, right over, yeah. or 13, 13 green and then 12, and there's that little maintenance path that goes between them. Mm-hmm. That used to be the property line. And they come back one day and, like, Dick, Ben and Bill, like, we need another 100 acres over here. He's like, you got 8,700? We need... So they had to do this, like, handshake deal where they had to reroute this parcel and, you know, go... It's a great story because Dick tells it talking to going, and I, I'll get the guy's name wrong, whoever owned the parcel of land there. I was like, yeah, can we just, you know, he's like, you want to do what? You know, like, it's just not even fathomable yeah. to a rancher. Like, you just want to move that fence there for 100 acres? Like, that, what What the hell are we doing here? Yeah. You know, but, but that let gave us 12 14, 15, yeah. and I don't think anybody would buy. 14, I think, is my favorite hole out here. I just, I really like 14 a lot. I think it's a spectacular hole. It's Especially smart, with a south wind, because it's, it's impossible to hit the ball down the left side, as we yeah. found today. Mm-hmm. And, but don't hit it in those bunkers, either. That's what I think is so great. Like, you get rewarded if you hit it left, but yeah. you get killed if you hit it too far left. And you can, I play with guys where you just tap in birdie and no problem. And other guys, where you get up there and you make double because that green is, you know, it's tiny. It's just tiny, and it's just. It, yeah, I'm a I'm a fanboy. Obviously, I'm not how many uh, square, that green can't be more than three thousand square no, feet. No, it's twenty six hundred. Twenty six so hundred. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, this time of year. You know, we don't fertilize really at all in relative terms. So, I mean, you guys can see all those pl- little plugs and stuff. This time of year, it's pretty thin out there. So, there's not a lot of pl- playable pin pinnable locations on fourteen. So. Yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's uh, I mean, either way, either side you put it, it's tough. It's. <laughs> 
It's tough. Just play just play it up like next to that Short bunker. left. Yes. Short. And then, then you have many options. But if you go right in front of the stuff on the right, that's a tough shot. Uh-huh. I, I was just playing with somebody yes, two days ago, and they hit it over the green and everything on top of the hill there because they just sculled one and, like, oof. Double bogey. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's the the best. I mean, and it entices. It's so short. It's a short par five. It, yes. It's so short that it entices. You feel like you have to go for it. And that's. I think that's one of the things that golf courses mess up so much. Is like if you have a, a short par five, just like let people try and go for it because they're probably going to get themselves in all kinds of trouble. That's a really smart way to say it. And I. I have stood so many times on that little hill, uh, you know, be not down the swale, which I think is really, you you get really rewarded if you hit it down there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, just hit your six iron right there and don't worry about it. We're, we're only 200 out. I can yeah. get there. I'm yeah. like, I've seen you play. You're not get, you're not hitting it into that little tiny spot. Just, like, you're going to make birdie if you hit just a nice shot right there and be done with it. Mm-hmm. And they hit it in that bunker and they make double bogey and you know, all right, here we go. And I've done that plenty of times. So uh, you want to do uh, some overrated, underrated? Sure, you're the overrated, underrated guy. Yeah. Um, oceanfront holes. I think they're properly rated. They're pretty, like, it would be hard to stand on 15. you got to pick one. You can't pick one properly rated. This Brian whole... Silva, I think, said properly rated. I, I mean, <laughs> he it was, gave uh, Brian Silva a pass. <laughs> all right, I get no pass. Um, overrated because it doesn't make a great golf hole. It is awesome if there's a great golf hole and there's ocean there. It's really cool. Um, like I said, it would be hard to say. You're on 15 at Cyprus, and you don't go, holy shit, this is awesome. You don't get that here at all. Have you have you played Dismal River? I hear there's yes, like some bad oh, yeah. blood there. No, I don't, oh. I don't think there's any blood. But I got here 11 years ago. The original ownership and it was a little bit of a difficult situation. But in, you know, I'll give Dick all the credit in the world. We, you know, all our employees are from Mullen. Yeah. You know, they live in Mullen. They're part of Mullen. We're part of the community. My my you know, my crew in the summer is 22 and they're high school and college kids and I love each and every one of them, but we don't have, you know, we're, there's only 500 people in Mullen and another couple hundred in the surrounding area. The community takes care of us and and we do our best to try to take care of the community as much as we can. And I think originally that wasn't necessarily Dismal Rivers. And I I, I I'm not the current ownership, I think, is doing great things, and I think they will be nothing but successful. And I wish them nothing but the best. I played both those courses a bunch. I think uh, I'm an architecture guy. I don't love I don't love the white course, the Nicholas course. It's it's a little, you know, talk about we talked about punch bowls. There's a bunch of punch bowls there, and it's it's just not my cup of tea. You can see a lot of where, where they pushed. It's it could be really hard, really, really hard. <laughs> Bunkers pushed on the left sides of greens. Yeah, and <laughs> it's just, and I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to get, I wish them, we're not in, you know, like everybody yeah. wants to say we're in some type of competition, like no. we have no desire to see them do anything but successful things over All there. All boats, right. Myself included. And their, their superintendent, Mark Stencil, has been there for a long time, and I, they do the best they can with what they got. And I, and I like the dough course. The dough mm-hmm. course is, a little interesting in a couple spots where you know it kind of goes across the road and stuff like that and i'm not certainly not discrediting it but i mean i'd rather go play ballyneal you know that's that's my opinion though that's it yeah. we're going there 
Uh, Bally Neal is wonderful. Really, really good. Really, um, really good. Uh, what's your, who's your favorite Golden Age architect? Oh, I'm such a. I, I like the you know McDonald Rayner stuff. Like, you know, yeah. But I'm probably my eye is probably more drawn to the McKenzie stuff. You know, really way out on the limb of the fringes of the like two most common guys. Those guys, those three guys are awesome. Mm-hmm. But I had a, I was gifted that Simpson book this last. I gotta read that. Oh my gosh, those draw like I've never like I they're in they're enchanting. And I feel like a little kid. Like you're like I'm just looking at the pictures, just like oh my gosh, look at this thing. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty amazing. I just need to see more stuff. I think. Uh, overrated, underrated, playing with five clubs or less. Oh man, totally underrated. Because I don't play. I only play with nine clubs regularly. Really? Yeah. What are the nine? Um, driver, utility wood. I'd have to. I don't even know how to count. Putter, one wedge, and then you only use one wedge. Yeah, I mean, I'm not good enough to hit. Like, it's just better if I just leave my my that lofted high lofted wedge in my shop. So then I don't even try to hit it. I just hit my punch and run shot or putter, and I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's mentally. That's 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 not. That's probably because I'm just not good enough to hit it. So I like guys that are. I've I have played golf with Bill Coor and Dan Proctor, and they each took like three clubs when I was like 20 years old, and we were playing Austin Golf Club. And it wasn't even open, and they just kicked my ass, and I had a full set of clubs. And I was like, "Man, I got to get a lot better at golf than this." That's how I tell. So I think people hit. You got to hit shots in that way. I love to watch. I love watching people be creative and hit shots, which is why I like being at Sandhills. I love watching guys hit fun, cool shots. And I think the less clubs you have, the more inclined you are to like. Well, if I just pinch this down and see what happens. So, do you have like a spot where you watch golf from all the time? That oh, nobody pretty... knows that you're watching. Oh yeah, I have several spots uh, <laughs> that I I enjoy. We this is no secret. We sit at the porch a lot and take bets on how bad people will make how bad you'll miss putts on nine all the time. Nine is like the most difficult green to read oh, on God. the golf course. It's something it's so hard I just to hit. Can't, I can't. That is a hard golf hole. I I love. I love that golf hole, but man, that hole kicks my ass all the time. So we will just be dot. Like we'll sit there for. You have a lot of fun when you're busy and just yeah. like, oh, God, this guy's not. He thinks he's getting it up and down. That ain't happening. So. Um, and then uh, what was I gonna it helps if you have a beer or something on hand. So yeah, Or a Grey Goose or whatever. Mm-hmm. You both. Is it, they don't have any events here, really. No, our we, we have one tournament, our member-member, which is our big deal. And it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And it's only been... Six, five, six years that we've done it. It's been really good for, like, it was always interesting because I know ninety six or seven percent of the members on a first name basis, and like the staff knew. Every, you know, like I'm the least tenured of all the managers. I've been here eleven years. You know, by mm-hmm. quite a bit, and it was always interesting, like how they didn't, you know, like members wouldn't necessarily interact with each other because they just didn't know. You, you know, you can come out, you can bring seven, seven people with you. And, the, like, what are the chances that you know who the member is? You know, there'd be a few, but not a lot because these people are spread out all over the country and the world. And what the member-member did is really build a lot stronger bond. People knew who they were, and it's been really fun to watch these guys, you know, build friendships that you could kind of see. Like, you know, like, oh, I could tell that guy and that guy would be friends, and whether they're, you know, Minneapolis or New York or Austin, Texas or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's our only – we've never – we had a – 
high school, like a junior thing a couple of years ago that I thought was pretty cool. That was Dick's big thing. He wanted to, he, we don't have any ambitions of having like a tour event or anything mm-hmm. like that. So it was fun to go watch a bunch of junior players go and have fun and watch them go, holy cow, this is pretty cool that they get to come out here and we were fortunate to have them out. So that was cool. Do we do some more of that? Probably. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. It's uh, it'd be fun to host like a Walker Cup. I would. I mean, I love the Walker Cup. I think I've be... been fortunate enough to was at you know the Walker Cup at National and at Chicago Golf, and I think that's just such a cool, cool event. Like they they get it. Like every where you're walking with everybody, that's that's pretty cool. That would be a pretty awesome. That'd be fun. I don't know if we could do it. Just not that anybody has approached us or anything, but I mean. It, I don't know if we can do it logistically, but it would be fun. You could I, get it, I mean, you could house the players and officials and then let everybody else fend for themselves. I don't I don't make those kind of decisions, right. but it would be fun for me. I make them in my mind oh. all the time. So. All right, we've made them. Let's do it. <laughs> you got my vote. I like it. And I have, I like uh, it. I've got zero votes. So, um, Well, uh, let's say last last one, sure. overrated, underrated, uh, Cornhusker football. Oh, man, so overrated. <laughs> I'm a Michigan State Spartan, so the I will say that because I'm very, very fortunate to call Mullen my home, and these people have been wonderful to me and my family. They, you know, they've taken us in as part of their family since my wife Ashley and I moved there. It'll be 11 years in January, and they tolerate our Spartan fandom. You know, like when we went to the Rose Bowl. I mean, I. I cried. I cried. And I had so many phone calls from friends and people that were just excited. They, they were excited to watch. You know, that's how, that's that's Nebraska. <laughs> and I feel very, very fortunate to call this place home. So I, that's just me getting them shit. I hope they get there. They, I hope they get it figured out. Um, they're passionate. It's a great place to watch a football game. You can go as an opposing fan, and you're not going to get in a fight or anything like that. And if you haven't been, you should go. I'm a huge college football fan cool place to watch a game and they're they're good people but i think they lack some offensive line play right now and their defense is a little slow and it's i don't i think it's gonna be a long yeah, i hate to hear what you have to say about my line then because i didn't watch the game last night. i had to watch um, we had a mullen bronco football game so i had to be there for that so but i have not i think illinois well, you guys will figure it out we got lovey it's a it's a process we gotta dig out you guys always like come up with like a really good team like every Ten Eight, years, nine, ten years. <laughs> that team with Mendenhall, that was a damn, they were good. Is and then you see a gone terrible again for. Yeah. We should never have fired Ronzuk, and I can't believe that's like what I believe. <laughs> <laughs> what about how is your basketball guy? No, around? we're not any good at any. We're good at golf. Oh, well, that's I like that. Yeah, so. I like that. But uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. It was it was fun. I was a little yeah. nervous that I, I hope I don't sound like too much of an idiot. But no, we'll no, see. You sound so. smart. I'm the one that's an idiot. It, it was an honor. And a We're privilege. all idiots. Yeah, <laughs> you guys need to go out and play more golf. So yeah, I won't hold you up anymore. We'll uh, we'll do it again. We'll we gotta Please. get you on and talk architecture more. Please, I I appreciate that. All right, thanks, well, Andy. Thanks.